This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Real Estate Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, I'm Francesca Loftus. I'm CEO and co-founder of Home. What I love about real estate is that feeling of walking through a city where home exists, uh, looking through a window of a physical building and feeling like I am part of that city. Amenities. It's not a new word, but with the rise of co-working spaces and full-service residential buildings, amenities has a whole new meaning. Today, you'll hear from a company that's using technology to turn amenities into a service. From New York City, you're listening to Real Estate Is Your Business, powered by Preview, a smart online real estate brokerage providing expert advice without the high fees. With Thomas Kutzman and Scott Pollock. Francesca, thank you for joining us today. We're excited to learn more about home. And from all of my research, home is focused on amenities. Mm -hmm. Why is this important? So for any building... uh, especially within the commercial sector. There's a lot of focus on amenities right now. Of course, for leasing purposes, you know, marketing purposes, and of course, for retention of great tenants, but also because we have these huge co-working beasts like WeWork that are changing the way that people expect their offices to be laid out and expect the experience in their offices to look like. Um, So as far as what home does for big commercial landlords like that is it helps them compete. And that's why it's so important um, so that you're not seeing all of these massive companies not not be able to adjust to what people are looking for when they come into like a co-working space. And when we talk about amenities, what, what home does is that you guys bring like programming and events and yeah. fitness classes and like into an, a, build, a building that wasn't necessarily built with that in mind, like what a co-working space might have, right? Yeah. So when you're looking at like a huge commercial building, obviously the cash outlay to adjust their entire layouts of all of their floors, especially with like five, 10-year leases, um, it, it's, it's, it's too massive. It's too much of a step. So the interim step for a lot of these buildings is to offer the programming on, say, like a vacant floor in the lobby. We're running events like you would see at, uh, at a WeWork. Or we're running um, fitness classes like you would see in a building with a really comprehensive like wellness program like a gym. But we're running it in accessible spaces that are available um, and are not being used. So monetarily it's not a huge outlay right and especially to your point earlier that you know if you're a commercial landlord and you're trying to attract people you want to be able to show that if you, whether if you're going after a premium rent or if you just want to provide more and just to recruit new tenants like it definitely seems like a good angle to you know recruit especially in not just commercial but in residential multifamily we're in both verticals the roi is so transparent uh, if we keep three units in a year leasing or releasing because of the programming and the community that we're creating in the building, um, the program pays for itself. So especially from a retention perspective in multifamily, it's super clear. 
And, and so how does it exactly work? So there's a, a vacant apartment in, in an apartment building or an open floor, you said, in an office, and you guys are bringing in, let's say, fitness instructors and, and just leading a class in that space? Or is there something different to the model that... Um, that yeah. Suggest. So a little outside of the ordinary, we're not just hiring independent contractors and we're not just like a staffing agent. Um, everybody in the company is a full-time service provider and administrative, administrator of the business. So they've got half-half roles um, and that helps us with communication a lot, especially it helps with continuity with independent contractors, especially in the fitness space, especially in the events planning space or the vendor space. There's so much turnover. Um, and if you're working in like Seven World Trade Center like we are, you need to have you need to have a great understanding of who's coming in out of the building. You can't change those security lists last minute. You need to know what they're physically bringing with them. There's so many advantages to hiring um, as well as we can just get best talent because – what fitness instructor is getting like PTO, maternity leave, healthcare, four hundred one k? Like it just doesn't exist. So right. And what was the genesis of the the idea? Yeah. So we were. Um, so I've got two other co-founders, Ryan Freed and Corey Loftus. Ryan Freed has the background in real estate. Corey Loftus has the background in fitness and programming. He worked for Lululemon. He worked for Standard Hotels. A lot of customer facing. Um, and then my background's in management of like a, a large theater on the Upper West Side. So a lot of like process creation, a lot of mobile staff. Um, and we came together around the concept of um, similar to mindful, like a brick and mortar, really trendy meditation space um, that was inspired by Ryan's mother passing away from cancer um, and, you know, her last couple of years, she extended her prediction from two to eight years um, and it really changed the quality of life with meditation, focusing on community, trying a lot of like doctor prescribed wellness practices. Um, and so we, we tested that in a commercial building under an amenity manager in a building in Brooklyn called The Edge. Their tagline is like, if you can find a building with more amenities, we'll like give you a free year of rent or something like that. So they've just got everything. That's in Williamsburg? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we tested it there and saw that the that everybody, I mean, it sold out in like an hour. And this was like a meditation Yeah. Class? It was just the meditation concept for the brick and mortar space that we were raising money for. So we were going to like use this as a test case about the type of meditation, raise a bunch of money for a brick and mortar space. And we saw that the amenity manager was super interested in continuing the programming. Um, and we thought, why not just bring it directly to people's homes? And the more we worked with the amenity manager, the more we realized, like, we can't really scale the way that we need to underneath amenity managers because they're only working in the edges in Williamsburg where they have so many physically built out spaces. You know, they've spent so much money on their amenities, their physical amenities, um, that they can afford an amenity manager. So we realized if we just take this directly to any available space, whether it is a fully beautifully built out designed amenity space or whether it's a white box commercial floor on in Seven World Trade Center, um, that we'd be able to scale it the way we needed to. And it's probably different in each of the verticals, residential versus yeah. commercial, but what are what are the demographics of people that are responding to this? Mm, it's a really good question. Um, we've seen more success 
it's not even demographic focused. It's location focused. So actually, even though we, we started in New York, like in Manhattan buildings where the only available space fit like seven people, we've seen so much more success because of proximity to fitness studios, special events um, in like the Jersey cities. Long Island, Long Island City, deeper in Brooklyn. So where they're more starved for some of these types of amenities? Yeah. Outside? And what we're seeing more and more is these, and you're, you're seeing it too, like these buildings popping up that feel like they're the, in the, they're super urban. Like they must be in the middle of the city and you step out and it's, you know, you're, you're miles away from the city and they're making it these, you know, making these multi-use um, resident focused buildings um, with everything. So we've seen a lot of success there. They're very hungry for it. And, and so you're talking before about selling to the amenities managers. Who is it that is kind of making a decision to bring home into their building now? Most of the companies we're working with, most of the landlords we're working with, have tried something similar in like a single pilot building. And they engage us when they want to scale across their entire portfolio. So like, you know, Silverstein would hire a single events manager, try a couple of events, see how people react to it, um, you know, see what kind of press they get out of it, um, see, see, see that they're um, on trend with neighboring buildings that are offering similar things. And then in order to roll it out quickly, they engage us. Um, and we can roll out the programming across all their properties. Got it. So these are often kind of the landlords themselves or the developers who are building this out and that, that realize that, you know, they can't do it themselves, can't do it alone. They, yeah. they need it across the fleet. Exactly. And how does it go as far as deciding on that programming? Is it like show up and here's the menu of services we can provide or is it more a la carte like special requests and your, your firm's able to deliver that? So ideally we're able to collect a lot of data in advance. Some management companies, some landlords are really great about doing um, really deep data analysis on like who their population is and what's valuable to them. And we come in after they've done these like awesome um, tests with a consultant or a firm or something. Um, we kind of end up with all this data, which is really nice. Otherwise, we provide that service. It's just kind of like built in um, to our regular cost. We survey everybody. We do these like um, these little like tablings where we ask a bunch of questions for small groups of people um, just to kind of get an idea of what would be valuable. But sometimes we don't get that access and we just have to use like, this is a similar dem demographic. Sometimes we've got to ask, what's the demographic of your building? Because we can't even like get that access. Um, and then we can compare it to like existing properties and what's been successful there and then just kind of create it that way. Um, but the best is when we come in and we get to like have three months of discovery, um, collect a lot of data on the population. And what, what are some trends or kind of realizations that the data has provided in terms of what kinds of experiences or events or programs different, you know, demographic segments, for example, want? Mm. So every single building across, <laughs> across every demographic, every location, their number one is always a fitness programming. So even though we started in fitness and we're tr constantly trying to be like, we are this full service program, we offer everything. Um, it always comes back to like, we're still hiring more fitness instructors. Fitness is always the first thing that people want. Um, so fitness is always the most popular, most requested, most engaging um, program we can offer. We always, yoga is always number one. 
always, always, always number one um, in commercial properties. We always make that like a meditation, no sweat yoga, so you can go back to the office. Um, you can take the class in your suit um, with a chair. Uh, and then beyond that, like core, we offer a core class. We offer a meditation class. And then programming-wise, um, we try and be really out of the box. Like if you see, if you walk into a building and there's a wind down Wednesday, I can guarantee you that's not run by home. <laughs> there's no wind down Wednesdays at home. It's always like something that is completely unique. Wind down Wednesday, I'm assuming, means wine. Wine. Like if you're walking in and it's a Wednesday and this <laughs> post it says wind down Wednesday and people are like testing wines. Got it. It's not our building. That's not your thing. No. <laughs> so wine, wine doesn't fill uh, your... Yeah, well, wellness mantra. No, we'll like convert an entire outdoor space into like a mini golf course, or we'll like um, put a bunch of bounce castles in like the lobbies of commercial buildings, or like we just do something that's really unexpected. Because if you're gonna spend the money, obviously it's got to be a unique experience for the tenants so that they talk about it. Because it's not just that it's not just that you want your current tenants to be happy; you want them to market your your building, your management company. I mean, who, how many people in the world actually know who their management company is in their commercial building where they go to their office every day? It's, it's very few. So the idea of like building these brands for them, that's like the primary focus. And just from a, you know, starting this company, you guys have a diversity, focus on fitness, but a diversity of experience that you're creating, like the mini golf example is a perfect one. Yeah. How do you you start developing that kind of programming. Is it all in-house that you said, all right, in order to create a mini golf course, we need X, Y, and Z? Or are you finding other partners that are experts in whatever program event you're putting together and you work with them? Partners, all partnerships all the time. Um, yeah, the vendors actually specifically for events are all all continued partnerships. Right, yeah. got it. So that gives you this diversity that you gives can- Gives us the diversity, into. also gives us really great <clears throat> pricing. <laughs> How do you to find pass through to, man, to how do you, different companies? How do you find people to say, yeah, we can put them, we what we do is we put mini golfs together <laughs> and you're the conduit for them, but you have to find these types of like unusual experiential, you know, companies? We'll normally call like a big party company where mm. they kind of have everything. We say like what is sitting in your warehouse that you've never used or like what is it that nobody has ever and then, you know, even if it's because of price or something like that, we'll be like, well, don't you want to get it out once? Maybe you'll get some really great pictures out of it so we can, like, get some great pricing that way. Um, yeah, a lot of it is, like, calling the big companies, finding the, the individual thing. And then you have the venue already solved for, at least. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's even, like, when you think back to, like, when photo booths became very popular at weddings. Yeah. Like, it's, I guess, the same same idea. People more involved. And then we see somebody else do it, and we say we can't do that ever again, and then we move on to the next thing. Yeah. But no one, no wind down Wednesdays. Sorry, yeah, no wind down Wednesdays. We'll always throw, you know. Sometimes we get requests from a management company. They're very specific about what they want, and we'll throw something weird in it. Like, we'll be like, <laughs> "Oh, great, it's um, it's a wine and smelly cheese, or like some yeah. like something that's just like." I feel like everybody's everybody is so overwhelmed, especially in New York, with like invites to everything. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, or maybe I'm just super popular. Um, no, but it has to be something that you're gonna stop and look at again. Yeah. And then you said in the beginning that this has become something that 
residents and, and tenants of office buildings have come to expect in yeah. the age of co-working and, and what have you. Um, so is it that you know people are looking constantly to say, I need something to do at lunch that's not just you know leave my office and go work somewhere else because that's what I'd get at a WeWork or somewhere mm-hmm. else? Or is it another kind of end goal that you're after that, that your customers see, like the idea of building community by way of a yoga class something that gives them some competitive advantage. Yeah, I think um, so. there's a company called WorkWell in France, um, and they started off by just pairing people together for lunches. I think the, the whole focus is community. Nobody's going, um, I demand a mini golf course in my apartment building at least once a year. Nobody's saying that anything that specific, right? They saw WeWork do it one time. Um, it's this idea of like they want to, especially in a commercial building, right? You have no idea about the company that's the floor below you. People are actually interested in having a conversation in the elevator. They just like there's nobody to prompt it for them. Um, and I know from living in a, an apartment building, if I know my neighbor really well, it's going to make me kind of overlook anything that I might dislike about the building because I'm thinking, well, the guy across the hall from me that one time he let me stay there when like I left, locked my keys, left my keys and I was locked out or there's so many benefits to knowing the people in your building um, that it, it really does directly affect you staying there, directly affects the retention. Coming up, we'll get a little bit deeper into how you go about this and how you're able to deliver, you know, such you know great services and amenities to uh, building owners. Um, but first, as a custom on the show, uh, it's snack time. Snack time. <laughs> and you've been kind enough to bring a snack for us to share today. Yeah, I brought rainbow bagels and <laughs> and cream cheese. Rainbow cream cheese? Uh, not rainbow cream cheese. Like three six five. This is like, this is like, this was on its way to being a really great snack, and then I was really busy. <laughs> so this is a great representation of my personality. It's the thought that counted. Yeah, there's like thought behind it, but then like I was busy. <laughs> I did bring gold knives. I was just gonna ask for you the about cream those. cheese though. These are these are some like heavy duty, legitimate, maybe actual gold. We might not even want to mention that I took those because I took them from the event room. So they're going to be like, we're, we're too, too Where not sure. Nice? Where are our uh, 24 Where are karat knives? knives? Um, well, let's take a look at these. So is this, uh, this is factor into one of these amenity experiences where anybody can bring bagels, but you're going to show up with we're rainbow, bring rainbow bagels. bagels? No, um, we were actually uh, laughing about different types of cream cheese a moment ago. Um, we would bring like, yeah, we'd bring rainbow bagel, bagels and like pop rock cream cheese or like something super weird. Here, let's, uh, let's dig in. Pop-up cream cheese seems like it would go well with this neon purple and pink bagel. <laughs> I'm digging it. All right, well, thanks very much. No problem. Yeah, th- You're going to uh, consume one like like on, on here? You're just going like, to eat an entire bagel. That's a sound no audience needs to be <laughs> exposed to. I do have to laugh about the fact that you said snack and I brought bagels, which I think is a representation of how over the top I can be sometimes. It's like, is a bagel a snack? That's definitely a meal. Absolutely. I know that when <laughs> when pizza's on a bagel, you can eat pizza anytime. Yes, exactly. That's, that's snack related. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try these bagels and we'll be right back. 
looking to buy a home in New York City? Get more with Preview's industry-leading smart buyer rebate. Seamlessly search listings on Preview's end-to-end buyer platform, purchase your home with the expert advice of a local agent, plus receive up to 2% cash back thanks to Preview's smart buyer commission rebate. Smart buyers get more with Preview. Go to previewapp.com backslash buyer. That's previewapp.com backslash buyer. Hey everybody, it's Tom. We enjoy bringing the show to you week after week, but we need your help. One of the best ways for listeners to discover the show are from your reviews. So let's make that happen. Go to iTunes, search Real Estate Is Your Business, and leave us a review. And while you're at it, why not a five-star rating? Francesca, uh, we got a good sense of what home is and how amenities are important. But there was something you touched on about the employees being full-time that they do. They're not independent contractors. They're part of the time they're creating these services or amenities, and part of the time they're administrators of the business. That seems pretty unique versus other service-based concepts. So what inspired that? So everybody in the company, well, all three founders, we had all experienced being independent contractors for, you know, whatever it was we were doing. Um, And we saw, especially in the fitness space, which was where we started, right, Um, that around the time we started, there were some lawsuits out in California about, you know, can you really, is this really an independent contractor? Can you tell them how to work and then still pay them on 1099? Those are like the delivery companies that were... Delivery companies, yoga, every single yoga studio in California um, was like a mass, a mass suit. Um, And... Firstly, we thought, you know, we'd be really well situated if we if we could figure out a model where we could employ all these people, give them benefits, and we were like the only company doing that. We'd be really well situated in case all these yoga studios went down and they suddenly needed employees. We'd be like, we would be like this crazy, um, you know, employer of all yoga teachers in the world um, or well in the U.S. until they could figure out their own models. But um that's where it started was like we really are we had this dream of employing our fitness instructors and then once we started doing it we realized it was so cost effective because we were we were we couldn't hire somebody unless we had the services lined up to for them to fill like we you know we'd need the revenue in order to hire the person so we were never getting confused early days with funding saying like oh it'd be so nice if we had this this junior marketing manager because I feel like there's so much we could do. Um, It was very cut and dry. Like we could only have the one marketing manager because we only had those eight more classes or like we only had those four more events. Um, So it gave us a really, a really, a really clear concept of where we were financially and what we could afford as far as people. And it also forced us to create a lot of like smarter processes. We just like had to outsource something to technology or we had to be smarter about picking what we were going to focus on or we had to create a better process for something so that it was more scalable. Um, so it forced us to kind of be smarter about how we're running our business. Um, and that's where it started. And then we saw all of these 
we couldn't let it go. We couldn't like once we got bigger investors, once we got bigger clients that were like, well, that's so cute that you do both for scaling. But now you're going to have like people that have real jobs. Right. And then you're going to have like fitness instructors that are independent contractors. Um, every investor said that to us. Right. Like when we were starting to scale, um, we couldn't let it go because if you have your client rep who's physically working in the building, like physically teaching classes or like physically running events, and then they're giving you your data as a client, it's so nice that they actually know what's going on in the building. They can like add anecdotal data to the numbers. Like they, they know because they're there. Same thing with like in sales and business development, that person is, is in the room with you figuring out as a client what it is that you want and then they're providing it at least for the first couple months before they move on to another building. Um, it's just all the way through the business. You can just see something and do something about it so quickly. Does that make it harder to find people that are those yep. types of utility players? Yeah. <laughs> um, not going to say that it's like very easy to find a yogrammer, like a yoga teacher, <laughs> programmer, developer. Like that's not a very easy thing to do. Um, it makes it so that um, everybody is really connected to our purpose. So it's you're, in order to find somebody that fits into the culture super well, sits and fits into the team super well, is really connected to the purpose, you're going to have to look hard anyways. Mm -hmm. It's just like we're forcing ourselves to look that hard. And it seems you're, you're, you're in an interesting place where you're looking at people in their whole selves, not just the like interest section of a resume filled with their professional experience, but kind of hidden at the bottom, but rather bringing that, I'm interested in yoga, uh, to the fore of I'm also a developer. Yeah, so I'm super passionate about not reading. I kind of don't read resumes. I, I when my when I was running the recruiting for the company, I just wouldn't be interested. And in, I'd be like, you need to send me a resume because like, that's how this works. Like that's an interview. But I would often not read it because I didn't want to. I didn't want to read experience and not listen for experience. Do you know what I mean? Totally. I wanted to like listen for grit instead of being like, oh gosh, you just like, you moved up the ladder so quickly. I wanted to like listen for what it was that was motivating somebody to move up the ladder quickly um, because I just wanted to know the person better than like the words on the page. And I feel like, you know, when I would get early on with a new recruiting manager, they'd say like, oh, this is a Columbia grad. And they would like, li like lay out all the bullet points I would get caught up in it the way that I would have had I read the resume and focused on the resume, right? So, and I would be passing that information on like, oh, look at this person. They did, you know, they did all these things. I'm not actually learning about the person. Right. Yeah. But how do you, like, the needs that come up in the service side and, and the business side don't always, like, line up perfectly. So, like, yeah. if, how, do you then re reposition people retrain people okay you're working on business development and yoga but now we need someone doing yoga and you know some other type of marketing or or business administration it's a really good question um i feel like because i mean obviously any startup you're gonna have to slot you start with generalists and we're just at this space now we're like you know, people people have started to slot, and now it's they're get their roles are getting really specific because we're growing a lot and we're throwing a bunch of bodies in. Um, 
that happen I feel like that happens anyways. I feel like you, you know, you're this you come in as business development and then you're marketing and then you're just social media or you're just inbound or just outbound and then you're it goes and on and on. I there's not a ton of movement from like you're on the uh, client rep team to you're now a developer. So there's not like this there's not a huge movement. Um and we're normally just adding people instead of moving people. Um unfortunately sometimes generalists don't slot and that's just the real life of a startup is somebody's really great at a ton of things and not super amazing at one thing um and we just kind of have to part ways and they you know need to go to another startup that's earlier stage where they can be an amazing generalist and be super motivated and super gritty and how many people are you now and 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 how do you see as you scale from there the kind of the roles evolving and the and can you keep up when you start slotting people this method of having people that play multiple roles at once hmm. uh i'm gonna go to the first question first um <laughs> we are uh 28 people um full-time and then we've got about 50 part-time people the way that it works at home is you have to um and this helps us minimize minim minimize the movement I mean, you know, we're really getting to know people. You have to be an independent contractor for three months. So you'll, you'll jump in and sub random classes. Um, we'll have you come to a variety of events like mixers and things. Um, at, the, at the company, we might have you like temp in a role um, where we need like a couple hours of help. So you can see how it fits your life. We can see how, how you fit with the team. Um, there's normally a three-month waiting period before you, we bring anybody full, on full-time. Um, and those full-time conversations can go on for, for longer than three months. You know, we have, a, we have uh, projected there's going to be this role that's going to come up, um, and we kind of just keep people in the pipeline for a little while. And which markets are you in currently? We're in Toronto and New York, um, launching in Seattle. At the end of the summer. <laughs> what inspired Toronto? Well, I'm from Canada. Um, I was born and raised in Toronto. Uh, so it's a, you know, we naturally know a bunch of people in real estate up there. Uh, but also, uh, it's the second largest growing real estate market in North America. Uh, little did we know when we first went to Toronto that it's primarily condo co-op which is not how we sell because we normally scale with a partner um, and to go board by board is incredibly frustrating. Um, but luckily now we're just seeing this movement to, it's actually a marketing tactic for a lot of these management companies because there's so little rental um, uh, inventory that they're even marketing on like the front page of these beautiful luxury rental buildings. They're saying like, this is not a condo. So it's even... Um, a marketing tactic for a lot of these landlords now, these developers. Great. Um, this has been a great introduction into home and what you're doing with amenities. Uh, and coming up, we'll get a little bit more personal and learn about you outside of home. Cool. We'll be right back. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. 
I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. Keep up with the show on Instagram and Facebook at Real Estate Biz Show and with hashtag MouthMedia. Plus, check out all of the MouthMedia Network shows at mouthmedianetwork.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Francesca, we've been talking a lot about home, uh, but we're going to shift gears and ask you more personal questions, and I'm going to kick to Scott. Where, how did you find yourself in, in New York? So I came here for theater. I um, went to a really competitive all-girls preparatory school. I skipped a grade to get into it, and then we um, did all of our our studies a year ahead. So I was kind of two years ahead. Um in school and no big deal. deal. It's just something I put on my resume. (laughs) Um, and my resume that I, I discourage people from reading apparently. Um, no. So I, I, I was in this really competitive, super academic program. Um, I got really great full ride to an amazing university in Toronto for finite mathematics. And then I went up to my guidance counselor and said, I really want to go to New York for theater and just like do a gap year and go to a conservatory. And <laughs> um, I was discouraged from doing that, obviously. Um, pretty much every girl that came out of the school became a doctor or a lawyer because they were very into equality. So you had to do one of those two things. Um, and I, I kind of I did it anyways. I went went and deferred my full ride, went down to New York to go to a conservatory. I did a started in the summer, did did my my conservatory, had my like last semester left. I was supposed to leave a semester early and go back to my my full ride and I just didn't. Um and found myself as an actor in New York City, like every other actor in New York City. <laughs> Is that um, how you also learned about real estate? Were you also like a, <laughs> a real estate agent on the side? <laughs> Well, I um, I went and worked in a theater. I was um, an intern in a theater, and my boss left quite abruptly. And I was 17 years old, and the theater became my responsibility. Um, and so I was the theater manager there for three years. And they actually gave me like a beard at one point. They had like this this older gentleman that like took people on tours, and they kind of like pretended that all of the communication was coming from this older gentleman because they were worried that the 17-year-old that looks like me was going to get taken advantage of when I was, like, violently negotiating contracts with, like, lockouts and things. Um, But I ran that Upper West Side Theater, 
and the owner, her family was in real estate. Um, then I started working for techmeetups.com. I brought five of their cities, uh, sorry, I brought them to five cities in North America. Um, just like a lot of programming work. Um, and in, in all the scenarios, it was like I had so much more responsibility than anybody should have wanted to give me. But I, I'm this kind of person who's just like curious about everything and like learns it and just kind of takes it on, makes a ton of mistakes <laughs> and then learns from them. And did um, you do acting as well or just management of the theater? Well, there was a like there was a portion there was like a time there when I was managing the theater um when the owner of the theater herself actually produced a show called Freckleface it was Julianne Moore's um book turned into a musical it's called Freckleface the musical um about Julianne Moore as a kid and I thought it was like incredibly inappropriate but I asked if it might be okay for me to audition for the lead in the show. So to play Julianne Moore. To play Julianne Moore while like still running the theater that the show was going to be in. Um, and surprisingly, she said, yeah, I think she didn't think that I was going to get it. She was just like, yeah, you can go ahead. Um, and I got the role. And so I was running the theater simultaneously for a while. Then I became the company manager of the show. Um, and I was getting like... I would come back to my dressing room and there'd be like emails for me to answer that were time sensitive. But like in between scenes, I'd be like right, handwriting my response to emails and then like going back out. And like it was, <laughs> it was a little crazy for a while. I'd be like counting heads while singing on stage and being like, why is that, why is that row empty? Or <laughs> like having, having um, the dual role was a little confusing for a while. But you never, the acting bug never stuck? Like you didn't feel I... like continuing to pursue it? So I even even early on in the company, I was doing like readings for Broadway shows. Um, I mean, I I kept it up for a lot of the company, actually, just like as a side thing, um, voiceover and things like that. But it's there's you don't have a lot of control over your life. And I'm kind of a control freak. Um, so <laughs> so I think that's why I didn't stick. Maybe maybe when I'm like you know, retired and super rich. I'll just produce all my own shows and just do it. And then starring them. And then starring them, be the company manager. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to repeat that feeling of like being on stage, also counting heads. And like, I really want to repeat the like handwriting to emails (laughs) in the dressing room. Or you could even do corporate retreats where everybody that attends has to then put on a show. That would be great. It's like back to summer camp, right? That's great. And now I'm going to steal that idea. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not going to pay you for it. <laughs> but fine by us. We'll come, we'll come see it, though. We'll support. When Just going back to amenities for one second. Obviously, yeah. you help curate these. What are some of the wellness or fitness programs or things that you actually pursue um, that would be in the roster? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm pretty bad at taking my own medicine. There's like, there's so much we when we're talking about why meditation in the workplace, all of the, you know, the stress reduction and things like that very much should apply to my life and like how stressful my life is. I really should do more of that. Um, I think the places where I actually get to participate in, um, in like these wellness practices 
it, it tends to be like I force it upon myself in the office. Like we meditate before every team meeting so that everybody's centered by the time they, you, you know, you run into a meeting and you're thinking about something else. We do clearings and then we do breath work um, and then everybody's very much in the room. Um, we do that even with like investors or we invite someone to our office. We make them do that. Um, so yeah, meditation and breath work is what I participate in the most and it's forced because I'm in the office. And, and is it hard to create a culture? You're saying that that's not you personally, you know, taking that medicine for yourself, but forcing it upon yourself. Mm -hmm. Is it hard to kind of keep up that culture when mm -hmm. that may not be your nature? Or is there someone else in the company who kind of brings that forth always? So um, one of our co-founders, actually I'm married to one of my co-founders, Corey Loftus. He is our C3PO. So he is chief of, that was a laugh line. You were allowed to laugh at that, C3PO. Well, I'm not a Star Wars person. <laughs> also, Tom doesn't have to laugh. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm the serious one of the two of us, yeah. if, uh -oh. if, if anybody listening hasn't already noticed I that. <laughs> The, the gingers, the gingers <laughs> laugh at everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, C3PO. So he is our chief of programming, people, and philosophy. Uh, right. And he's the one that, you know. So hold on, let me just back up for a second. Mm -hmm. Chief 3P. Oh, I got it. Okay. C3PO. Yep, three P's. It's good. It's a good one. Yeah, I know. Nobody laughed at it, though, so it didn't land. I laughed at my head. <laughs> Um, I didn't leave space for it. We were meditating. It was an acting we thing. Meditating. We were med it was meditative. Um, but he is really great about um, creating kind of like ritual in the office around meetings, a ritual around bringing in new clients, like ritual around a variety of things that help us remember to like stop and create some work-life balance um, because it is still a startup. And even though we're providing these services to all these buildings, we're preaching about um, work-life balance all the time, um, leaning on your community, focusing on wellness practices, meditating, all of these kinds of things we're constantly preaching about, we can easily lose lose track, yeah. lose sight. And it's not in my nature to like do that for myself. Sounds like it's not in your nature to slow down <laughs> and like take a second before the meeting. You just met me. I'm, you must be a mind reader. I'm pretty <laughs> I'm, it's a redhead thing. It's a redhead I understand. Thing. It's the ginger connection. Mine's fake, but that's okay. <laughs> it's a personal question. <laughs> uh, Francesca, has been a great conversation. Um, we like to give all of our guests the opportunity to share a final thought. Hmm. Um, it's not a dissertation, but you know whatever you'd like to share with those that are listening. We talked about so many different parts of my life um is it bad that i'm struggling for this maybe something about like where you see the future of your company going or yeah. the industry going something like yeah and you're excited about that yeah we're excited for all the different things we're building at home we didn't even talk about the technology at all but um <laughs> yeah. um we're excited to incentivize a lot more communication not just between different people and buildings but you know uh, finally put a voice to uh, the tenants of buildings that the managers and landlords are super interested in hearing. There just really hasn't been the incentive to communicate directly up. Um, I feel like we're playing a role in that. And I see people working to solve that problem of like that gap of communication it can be so valuable. Data, right? Gotta love Age it. Age of data. 
you just have to love it. You're forced to. <laughs> and for you know landlords uh, or you know folks that are listening that want to be able to connect with you and the brand what's the best way to uh, to reach out imhome.com is our website uh, but you can always just email communities at imhome.com and someone will be very eager to have a conversation with you great well, we encourage uh, everybody to reach out and you know while they're in between their meditations <laughs> And, uh, you know, thank you as always to everyone uh, listening and for Scott. Bye, everyone. And I'm Tom, and real estate is your business. You've been listening to Real Estate Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show or to become a sponsor, email us at realestatebizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Real Estate Biz Show. That's Real Estate B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by Preview. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.